Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast presented by RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. Got a special episode for you guys. Have guest Chris Wifetong from RaidersBeat.com. We're going to be talking hard knocks, the Raiders secondary, and the NBA finals with Chris. Jose, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest to everybody. Guest to everybody. Mm, no, I don't like this guy. But no, <laughs> no, this actually, no, Chris Wifetong, this... It's it's kind of weird with him because I think we've like we we'll followed each other for about nearing two years now or a little less than that. Well, point is being that with this guy, it's very hard. It's it's like with Mo, it's very hard to disagree with him or really try to say anything that rivals him. Like this guy is just like he he's the man. I can actually call him one of like a few good friends that I've met on Twitter, which is crazy. You know, it's almost like. You're that young kid online dating, and like Chris is like supposed to be the like the hot chick I met in the mirror. Swipe so I mean, right. <laughs> swipe right, yeah. <laughs> but with this case, I would super like him. So yeah, man, I just talking ball with him or talking anything in general. This guy like knows football. He's one of those that you can actually talk once again on Twitter with. Is amazing. So this this guy is the man. I, that I had we had to bring him on. You know, hopefully we're gonna bring him on again for future rep for future episodes. But this this guy just talks ball and he's great what he does over there on Raiders beat. He just I just saw him tweet out Colton Miller tape and you you could tell he researched it by getting that offensive line coach for as a reference. So that's that's great research and work on him. This guy's a true grinder. What's up, guys? Appreciate you having me on the show. I like Jose saying nice things about me. Like, <laughs> I like this, dude. Uh, right, don't get used to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't. I won't for sure. Uh, yeah, dude, guys, thank you for having me on the show. I love talking Raiders. Been wanting to get on this for a little bit. Jose, I've been talking for a few <laughs> weeks, and uh, it's cool to get on and talk ball with you guys, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, no, man. We appreciate you coming on. Yes, sir, man. What are we going to talk about today, boys? Yeah, Matt, we'll serve us up the cold dish for the day. All right, let's go. First things first, just got announced. Whether you like it or not, Hard Knocks is coming to the Oakland Raiders. I don't know about you guys. I'm stoked. I can't I can't wait for it to start. Obviously, there are some pros and cons with it. So first things first, we want to go over some of the pros. So I don't know. One of the first pros I thought of was what we just talked about, that fan's perspective. You get that inside look at training camp. You get to know the players. You get to see their lives. You get to understand and really get to know who's underneath that helmet. And honestly, like that's one of the coolest things for me. I know Jose and I have talked about it before. What are your guys thoughts? I'm excited about it. Uh, kind of like you, Matt, I'm all positive on it. Um, there's definitely some things like, can it be a distraction? Yeah, it could be. Uh, there could be some things that Gruden says that they'll, they'll play or, you know, some issue with Richie incognito, they can make a huge big deal about and that it could cause some negative press, but overall, dude, Aside from everything, I'm a Raiders fan, and more in-depth coverage of my favorite team that excites me. And mm-hmm. you look at Cleveland yeah. last year, you know, hey, uh, they they had not won many games the last few years, and then last year they won seven games, it was their best season they had in a really long time, and so it obviously wasn't too big of an issue for them. So for me, it's a thumbs up all the way across the board, man. What about you, Jose? Oh yeah, easy thumbs up. I hardly like personally. I there's some minor negatives, I guess, but I personally don't give a damn about them. I want to see more insight, more into the locker room. You know, me and Matt have been more than vocal on the last two episodes about we are excited for it. 
You know, I mean, sure, it's like, all right, you know, you don't want the cameras in there getting on their business, especially like if it's in the office, you're going to have to see Gruden or or some coach, you know, really get get interpersonal with the player or even worse, cut them, which is something like, all right, you know, I can see it from their standpoint. What What is your business for them to see a player lose his job essentially right now? So that point I get. But, you know, I can't wait to see inside the locker room more like what Matt said under the helmet, you know, you I know who Darth Vader is, but who is he when he takes his helmet off, when he's right. not, like, with the breathing problems, all right? So I want to see more of a more of the place, a little bit of drama maybe. Not too much drama, you know, not 2017 drama. But, you know, I want to see I want to see something, anything. You know, the more the, more the merrier, you know? That's why they have reality TV and stuff like that. If people like Jersey Shore, why wouldn't they like – this is our Jersey Shore, boys. I've never <laughs> it watched is, that. It crap. is, man, yeah. i never watched that shit. But Let's this go. thing Fist is going to be dope. So this is Hard Knocks, Jersey Shore football. Plus Mad Max, dude. We can have him rap oh, yeah. some more. Drop on him bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, too bad he didn't save that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, Chris brought it up. You know, it is something that, I mean, it's football, but it's not really football. It can be another element. And it's, um, you know, something extra in a training camp. But like Chris brought it up, if something happens with, you know, Richie Incognito or something about that getting out. Well, mm-hmm. with how news travels anyway, that's going to be out. That's going to be a distraction in itself. That's not going to make a difference between if Hard Knocks was there or not. You know what I mean? Like, everybody's on Twitter. Everybody's on their phone at training camp. You don't mean to tell me that if Richie Incognito gets in a fight at practice, that that's not going to get blown up already, even without the cameras there? No way. Yeah, but it's different when you read it compared to when you see it. Some people might, especially with this emotional fan base, might take it as a different thing. Like, oh, man, did you see the way how he started it? Or did you see the way he put his hand in his face or what he said or something like that? Some might take it out of more of a context thing than it really should be. And then just really be like, oh, incognito's out or start putting blame. And really it's like, you know what, guys, just this happens every camp. This is why, once again, this is the Jersey Shore of football, all right? This is supposed to be yeah. drama yeah. that we are, that most of us, the common fan is not aware of, you know? Especially if, like, you didn't play football, you don't understand what's going on, that, like, scuffles are normal to a certain degree. You know, you don't want to get too depth, and you after when you leave the football field, you drop it. But stuff like that, you know, when people read it, oh, he got into a fight, you know, because it's different when you read it and you see it, you know? Yeah, and they're also going to latch on to things and, uh, you know, kind of dramatize it, milk oh, it yeah. a little bit That's more true. than it really yeah. should be. But at the end of the media. day, man, I mean, this isn't like it's midseason and they're losing, right? This should be a love fest more than anything. So they're going to have to dramatize stuff. If this was in November, December, and they lose three in a row, yeah, there's it probably gets pretty hairy in the locker room and in the building. Yeah. but. You know, in this point, they're going to be undefeated, man. They're going to be playing preseason games, training camp, so it shouldn't be too bad. Yeah, and I mean, I kind of look at this as like, this is one of the ultimate tests for Gruden. Because I feel like with Hard Knocks being a distraction and whatnot, it's really about the team's mindset about it. If mm-hmm. Gruden can turn this into a, something that's positive, then it can almost almost work in their favor and make sure that they're... You know, keeping it a little bit lighthearted, maybe doing something stupid, bringing up stu- something someone said that was stupid on the show. You know what I mean? Like, you can yeah. Yeah, turn this into a positive thing if you're well coached and have the right leader. And you know what? It maybe is part of a positive thing um, because you figure, you know, the Raiders obviously right now are not one of the better franchises, though. This year they have a chance to a little to try to, you know, lessen that narrative. Um, they're moving to Vegas next year. 
So you need to have, you need to like hype them up, show them now that they're finally reloaded and, you know, looking to retool and make actually somewhat of a run. So by doing it this year, hyping them up this year, it'll get people, it'll, it'll build suspense. You know, it'll go towards building up the opening for Las Vegas. So, I mean, you know, Mark Davis has been on the record. Now's not the right time because he would have rather have it, you know, like training camp when they were actually are in Vegas, which is a good point. But I feel like doing it now is more is more is more like conducive to for any type of success to opening up the the stadium because you start getting that news out there. People already start getting in mind like, oh, yeah, there's going to be Vegas mentions in there. Maybe you're building a brand. Yeah, so build the brand, let let the national media see it, and if they actually like even look somewhat good this year, at least offensively, like even if they're seven and nine, but they have like a top twelve offense, then people are gonna be like, oh crap, this team is interesting as hell to watch again. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, Vegas opens next year. Yep, you know, you're opening a new stadium, they're gonna be like, wow, this is gonna be great. I mean, I brought this point up before, like a couple episodes, Matt, when we were discussing it. So it's like, you know, you want to sell the brand. It's all about branding, PR, and marketing. Like, look, we are this, this is how it is, and people start falling in love with the character. Once again, yeah. uh, for the last time, a Jersey Shore reference, people have <laughs> like, oh, I love Ronnie, or I love DJ Mikey, or whatever the hell their names are, and crap. People Don't pretend like you don't know their names. I don't. <laughs> watch that like, entire series. Snooki, it's Snooki's obvious now. Like, what kind of a name is that shit? But anyways, <laughs> anyways, yeah, so people are going to end up being like, wow, Gruden's a cool cat. Or AB's a cool cat. Derek Carr's a cool cat. Obviously, Der- Chris over here, like, oh, Derek Carr's better than a cool cat. But anyways. Uh, that's so- fine, bro. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'll so, just yeah. make it clear. I'm a Derek Carr stand in case you don't know. So that's why he's so- uh, he's coming at me with that, bro. So, yeah, that's all about marketing. Let's let's pre- let's prop it up. Let's prep it up and get him, you know, let's blow it up. Let's overhype, which I'm not really sure how you can overhype Vegas. Vegas always turns true, turns true like that. But, yeah, it, it, build it up. Get it ready for next year's opening. Yeah. Yeah, and dude, I mean. And- People oh, sorry, typically bro. like to root for the Hard Knocks team. Like, look at the Browns. They were a little bit of the darlings, too, because yep. they hadn't won a game. But people people connected to the team when they get to spend this much time in the offseason with them. So they're going to root for them. You're going to get the casual fan. For sure. Yeah, I think, too, this is a lot of HBO. I mean, where, where would the Raiders training camp be next year? Like Henderson, right? So, so number yeah. one, it's, it's Napa instead of Henderson, right? Number two, dude, they got Antonio Brown. They got Incognito. I mean, it, they just could not say no to do this right now. Yeah. So for HBO, yeah. it's a win-win possible. And, of course, Gruden, dude. When we when we got Gruden back, what did we all do? We all went on YouTube. We all <laughs> went to all his mic'd up stuff and laughed about it. And this is going to be full of that, you know, with the right demeanor all day and all that stuff. I mean, that's just Gruden. He's, he's hilarious, and he's good TV, man, as we know from Monday Night Football. Yeah, exactly. That kind of – rolls it into our our next point about hard knocks is who are your guys who's one guy that it's kind of everyone's talking about you think is going to be the star of the show for hard knocks and who's maybe another guy that you're excited to watch that might be a little bit further under the radar chris i know you brought up gruden that's mine i can't wait to see what the guy has the guy is a complete quote machine i don't care (laughs) what he says about how he doesn't want to do it the ego in that guy is so excited. He cannot oh, yeah. wait for the character to come back out. So, Chris, let me hear you. Who, who are you looking forward to? Jonathan Abram. He just seems to be to be a confident, cocky talker, and he, yeah, he'll be a good you know, he lets his play do the talking, but he also lets his mouth do the talking too. And uh, you know, he's already talked about. It. He's gotten in Carl Joseph's ear. I'm a better tackler than you already. And you listen to his interviews. I mean, he's not lacking in confidence whatsoever. So, I think he's going to be good TV, and it'll be. Uh, 
interesting to see his kind of mentality play out with some of the veterans. I think it'll be a good thing. So I'm looking forward to Jonathan Abram. Yeah, that's a good one. I hadn't thought of that one, but yeah, those guys that like to talk are usually the ones that get on the camera and make it a lot more interesting. And that is why I'm being basic and picking Antonio Brown. I mean, come <laughs> on, it's just too. You know, you already yeah. said Gruden's a quote machine. We have to machine. disagree here, man. He, you said Gruden's a quote machine, and then Chris brought up Abrams is a shit talker, which is even better as well. And come on, AB, come on, he's a weird ass dude. He's he gonna is. be cool. He's gonna be cool to see under the mic. Um, some people, I feel like, you know, opinions might his sway of him, the, you know, their outlook on him. But uh, I just can't wait to see him, not just how he talks and acts, but just like watching him actually work. You know, it's going to be like I feel like part of that's really going to help his image. People are just going to be like, man, just, you know, he's a weirdo. But look at the way he works. You know, you can afford to be like whatever kind of like weirdo, whatever, like outfield, out, like however out there you want to be. If you're this elite, if your work ethic is tremendously better than the next person up. So that's part of the reason I'm excited to see that, you know, I'm, I'm personally like sick and tired of seeing little mini clips of like, you know, Matt knows of just seeing Derek Carr <laughs> bombs him like, all right, well, let's see more. So that's going to be amazing to see. And even inside, you know, how these guys are going to mesh, you know, it's not like part of this is going to be an act, maybe to a slightest degree per se, but a lot of this is really just like genuine essentially. So I'm pretty much sure I'm, it's going to be, really revealing on his character if we don't know it already um antonio brown's interaction with his teammates and such since people want to try to say he's a bad teammate with his altercations with juju so i mean just watching him it's an obvious cop out but i mean i just i really couldn't think who else to see i mean maybe Derek carr but i feel like we've he's already been under our roof under the raiders roof for so long that we already had know what he can say and bring and do from trash talk being a leader being a friend so he, he's something to watch, but I'm not totally interested in. But honestly, just other than Gruden and AB, I'm not too sure who else I'm looking forward to. Just just the collective of it, honestly, the whole team. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. other than AB, it's just sad, yeah, just the collective of it. I mentioned this, but I have to disagree with you a little bit, Jose, just because I'm worried that I'm going to watch and I'm just going to be turned off from Antonio Brown. Like, he's going to be, like, I, I under, everything you're saying about his work ethic is going to be great. I'm going to love that, and I don't doubt that at all. But I just worry that this guy is going to be, like, too weird. Like, I just think back <laughs> to when the Texas Texans were on it, and I lost so much respect for DeAndre Hopkins talking about getting a dog and saying that he was going to get a Yorkie. And I just think that uh, A.B. is going to be in, like, That's a similar channel. He's, A.B. is going to be, like, a cat guy. Yeah, no, it's it's just done. Like You might as well not me. even watch them, uh, because if a Yorkie turns you off, then with A.B., with all the call God, dude. <laughs> um, I, I can handle the call, call God, but you got to have a dog at least that's 50 pounds. Come on. Like, <laughs> like, I got I, two that aren't, so maybe I should leave. <laughs> oh, what, what do you got? Uh, they're my wife's. I got two chihuahuas running around. Oh, they're so. your wife. So. Oh, blaming your wife. They're yeah. my yeah, wife. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, dude. Hey. Put her under the car. Hey. Under the bus. Yeah, I love wow. them. I'm not going to lie. I pet them. I love them. I feed them. So they're mine, too. A classic KDR <laughs> move. Throw them in the But no, well, no I mean, sorry, he, has, he is going to be entertaining, but there's just a little part of me yeah. that's like, you hear the stories and you're like, ooh, I just don't, I, I just don't want to see that. And that's the thing that worries me a little bit. But he is going to be some good TV. We'll get some quotes out of AB for sure. You know what? That's a great thing about sports in general. You don't have to really care about the personality so much. Just yeah. what is he doing? And that's a little exactly. part of me that I just like really just watching the analysis point. I try not to get too much in the person's like personality because 
I feel like I'd be too tempted and be swayed and with a little bit of bias and such, you know? So, like, for example, you know, LeBron James, I don't like him. But him as a person, I love him. That guy's an awesome. But him, like, the basketball player of him as a person yeah. is not cool. So, and I'm a Lakers fan, so it's kind of hard watching him, you know, as my team. So, especially now with the recent news, which we'll maybe we'll touch up on later since I know Chris is a Lakers <laughs> fan as well. So, yeah, Ooh. just just that for example. So, personality, I feel like... You know, that's fair. That's fair, Chris. And like I said, that's why what, what, regarding with the fights, some people might take that differently. It might turn them off and change their opinion on certain players, maybe the team to a certain degree. So who, who knows how it's going to be? You know, people, you know, in blue and yellow might not mix green with some people as we think. So it might be, you know, just different. It's all subjective. But personalities, like I said, I just can't wait to see Antonio Brown because I'm pretty sure that guy is just like, that guy's seriously a quack, but he's probably going to be hella funny <laughs> just saying like weird ass stuff. He's going to be entertaining, no doubt. There's one thing you can say about AB, it's he's entertaining. Without a doubt, man. I mean, you know, dude, but like, like you talked about the work ethic, I think, you know, he's going to be on his best behavior. And then I think they're going to highlight a lot of, you know, his really good plays. Uh, he's going to be in front of the cameras doing really well with his teammates. I don't see him putting himself in a position where he could be scrutinized further. Uh, you know, even though it's easy to scrutinize him, so to speak, because he just does things kind of in, in an oddball way, kind of talks in an oddball way. But, I mean, he's going to try to play for the cameras, no doubt. And I'm not saying that's yeah. a bad thing. You know, I'm not trying to get on him for that. But, I mean, we all would be that way if we're, we've taken a lot of scrutiny over a certain thing, not being a good teammate, being mm -hmm. selfish. So I think he's going to go out of his way during this whole process with the extra cameras around to make sure that, you know, everyone knows that's not the truth, even if it might be a little bit. He'll he'll try to make sure that it doesn't seem like that. Yeah. Yeah, Matt. Matt, drawing back to what you said about Gruden, like, of course he wants to be on TV. Of yeah. course he's like, you know, we the, all do. The, the football version of him is probably like, hell no. Nah. But then it's like, all right, we're we're stuck with it, so I'm gonna make the best out of it. This this thing might actually be fun. Yeah. I mean, so just sure like, like how like, the Raiders are building a brand, AB, Gruden, Derek Carr, every guy that's gonna be on this show, every professional yeah. athlete in general is building a brand. It's not TV like Gruden wasn't on that. TV for the last, like, 10 years or something like that or whatever, 10-plus years. So, of course, he likes that. I mean, there's going to be some people that want to watch him for that, you know, with the quarterback camp and everything. So, uh, another, like, little last-minute point I want to do is um, I'm kind of looking forward to if they do do it. I'm not too well, well like, well-rounded with how Hard Knocks conducts itself. But I hope they do have, like, in some way, like, when the position groups meet and maybe do a film session of, like, last season and stuff they do during practices. Because certain, certain players will get chewed out or they'll get pointed out. And I just can't wait to just, like, the student in me just, like, wow, that verbiage and stuff like that. Like, oh, that's what it means and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm, I'm down to learn stuff like that. Um, new words, new terms, how the NFL coaches conduct themselves and how they operate. So that part – that part I'm really excited about. It's just the whole, once again, the whole collective. It's hard not to say no to this. I'm not really sure why people, why some fans, like, were so against this. Like, why? Well, it was going to be a distraction. <laughs> well, if you let cameras be a distraction that in the locker room before the season even begins, then we have a big issue here, don't we, if that's going to be the case? I mean, last season, I've, I've seen little clips of how the Cleveland Browns hard knocks went. Hugh Jackson conducted himself like an idiot, and you can tell that was that was meant to, like, not work. You could tell he was going to get fired. I saw a clip where he was just straight up just, like, telling Freddie Kitchens, like, no, that that idea doesn't make sense when the idea actually did end up making sense. So hard knocks was revealing a little bit, so that's why I just can't wait to see how revealing it is and just to gain new knowledge.
And I think yeah, I'm excited so, for that too, bro. The verbiage part. Yeah, I'm all, just can't I'm wait all to for that. that. And also Jarvis Landry last year, he had like a really intense, like emotional kind of outburst toward his teammates, kind of calling him out, like, oh, crap. guys, like we should be practicing through this, like, and it, it kind of went viral there for a minute. But it'd be cool to see one of the Raiders players have oh, an emotional, yeah, so like calling out his teammates, whatever. I think that'd be fun, man. Again, dude, we're fans. Like, let's not <laughs> pretend like it's anything different, right? We're not getting paid salaries to watch the Raiders, you know? We, we nah. just, they're, they've been a losing franchise for the most part of the last 15 years. We love them anyway, and we're going to get more coverage of them. So, yeah. we can't complain about that, really. And let's be honest, their camera's there right now. Guess what? Come September, they're going to be even more cameras. They're just not going to have HBO stickers on them. Like, there's yeah. no more hiding come September. So for a team like this, this is kind of a good warm up for the season. Like, hey, yep. everything you do from here moving forward, every snap you take is going to be scrutinized. Everything you do. And I actually wanted to bring up this tweet from uh, Ryan Smith, who contributes to the uh, Raider Ramble. Shout out to Ryan and shout out to the Raider Ramble. And I completely agree with this. And I think it's on point. If the Raiders struggle this season, it'll be because of the defense, questionable pass pro, and the fact that they won't play in Oakland between weeks two and nine. They're not going to lose in October because HBO ha- had them in shorts in August. Someone's yeah. going to bring that up, though. Like, some fan for sure. Maybe even some media member, the way people want to latch on to certain narratives and just be desperate just to create some just to create some story. So, I mean, like, it's like, come on, man. Really? You're going to blame Hard Knocks for that crap? No. Come on. Yeah. yeah. It's- I feel like, too, if, if we have... If our offense, obviously you talk about the pass protection, the, that can definitely derail the offense. But really, I mean, if, if Gruden can be creative enough, and even if they have, you know, even if Colton doesn't quite improve, if he can just give him a little help there, they pay Trent Brown, he better be damn good. You know what I mean? And so if they can just shore that up a little bit compared to last year, with the weapons we have on the outside, there's no reason we can't be competing week in and week out. And those are built-in excuses, the road trips and all that stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a little bit difficult, but mm. dude, if this is this if this is a good football team and we're scoring points, we're going to be able to compete and win some games. If we don't miss the play, if we miss the playoffs, I don't think it's going to be because no. of the schedule, man. And it's not nah. going to certainly, as you guys talked about, not because they had cameras in July and August. Yeah. I mean, that's a great whoever tweeted that Ryan Smith. That's a great point he made because you know the the, the Cleveland Browns didn't miss the playoffs last year because they had hard knocks. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So they actually had a surge and they played better during the season when they got rid of Hugh Jackson. Like mm-hmm. Jose said, he was the problem. So, yeah, yeah man, it's uh, built-in excuses. I'm not for him, man. And I think one of the the things that um, you guys touched on a little bit with Hard Knocks and one of the fears is that people have that may not be saying explicitly is how Hard Knocks can expose stuff like Hugh Jackson's incompetence. And the Raiders are kind of in a similar spot with Tom Cable where – you know, Hugh Jackson, everyone was kind of clamoring for him to get fired, pointing out that his lack of success and how the team hadn't really developed. And obviously you have that with the offensive line and Tom Cable. I mean, all it takes is putting his <laughs> name into Twitter and to find some stat that's negative, negative against Tom Cable. It's something that people are worried about because they don't want to, again, it's like a fight. You don't want to have it right in your face where that incompetence just reared its head. Yeah, there could be some clips of Tom Cable, you know, working with Colton that people may not like the way he's trying to coach him up, right, technique-wise or yep. stuff that he's saying to try to improve yep. him. But, you know, as Jose brought up, I just did a film room on Colton Miller, and I'm going to be writing an article soon, and I'm going to try to connect. Basically, when I'm going to try the story I'm going to try to tell, as far as Tom Cable's concerned in the article, is 
Cold Miller, in my opinion, is Tom Cable's last chance yeah. to redefine the narrative on him. They drafted him first round, Colton Miller first round last year, and he was raw, right? You could say that they reached for him, say what you want. Nonetheless, he's a Raider. And I felt like he had an injury last year that kind of hindered him a little bit. I thought he started out playing okay. Not great, but not bad. And then after the injury, it really wasn't the same, and he kind of came on a little bit toward the end of the year. But overall, it was a rough year. If Tom Cable can form him into the type of player that's a – a valuable starting left tackle, a dependable player, I think that will be the one thing that can change everyone's mindset on Tom Cable. Prove to everyone, okay, like there really is something there. No wonder he keeps getting jobs. There's something there. So after all the failures year in and year out, hey, he took Colt Miller, and a lot of people thought he had busts written all over him and turned, turned him into a pretty good player. So in my opinion, this is big for Tom Cable. And as far as hard knocks is concerned, Hopefully he, you know, shows me that he's more than competent enough to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of a story, Matt, Chris actually wrote a great story, penned a beautiful one in my neck of the woods with the secondary, specifically a cornerback with Gary Conley, and even drew references to my favorite Raider, Namdi Asamoa. So, um, Chris, you want to elaborate a little bit on that? So that way we could try to tie in a little bit of secondary talk. Yeah, man. Well, you know, the whole time I tied in Namde Asamo, I was thinking of you, Jose, because I know he's your favorite <laughs> player. Uh, basically, I, I just think Gary On's a, a star on the rise. I, I, there was yep. so much I saw last year that was impressive to me. In the beginning of the year, it was like a combination of, you know, the coaches weren't putting him out there. They were playing like Dominique Rogers, Cromartie yeah. a lot. They were, you know, uh, you know, playing some of the like aging vets, you know, Rashawn Melvin, right, which was a free agent we picked up that just didn't really work out. I wanted Conley on the field. They kept saying, oh, he's like a rookie, but then they'd play him like 12 snaps in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Finally, though, it's either he earned the trust of the coaches or finally they just gave up on the year and they're like, we might as well just play our, our rookies or our younger players. And uh, obviously it was Gary on second year. But, man, I honestly, I thought he was really solid the second half of the season. So I wanted to write an article talking about what he was great at. And, uh, you know, when he went up against marquee wide receivers, how did he do? Um, how was he in coverage in those situations? I wanted to tie in a little film to it. Uh, but I just think he's an explosive player. He's got long arms. His burst to the ball, his ability to make up some ground when he was beat a little bit is huge. Because these receivers are so good, they're going to make you kind of fumble your feet a little bit. I mean, they're just they're professional, precise route runners. I mean, you look at the division we have. They're just stacked with wide receivers. They're going to do that. So, uh, But I, th I thought Conley played so well down the stretch. And if he can continue that, he can be a franchise-type corner. And to me, when I was thinking, when I was doing the article, I'm like, what's the last franchise corner that we had? Because when Seawood <laughs> came back, he played safeties. So that doesn't count. And the last one was Namdi Asamoah. Oh, and, hey, yeah. he also wore number 21. And then I'm like, oh, Jose is going to love this. <laughs> so I just went on and on and just kind of tied in Namdi a few times. Like, you know, because Garyon was one of the corners in the league that didn't get targeted a ton, yeah. even, though, even when he was on the field a ton. And another player that kind of reminded me of that was Namdev because teams wouldn't throw his way. Yep. They'd be like, that's just not an efficient way to move the football. I'm going to go a different direction. So the fact that Gary on kind of had that going for him too, it was another reason to tie in uh, the goat Namdev Asamoah that uh, Jose yeah. loves. Fun fact, guys. Uh, all, all my numbers that I picked in every sport was 21 for Namdev. So, I mean, Ooh. I used to, like, just study him all the time, and it always led to, like, some nice little accolades and trophies. So, I mean, 
I just love the cornerback position. It's easily the second most difficult and most important position in football, and thus why if you can even play it somewhat solid, you're, you're a freaking talent, you know? So, I mean, the fact that Conley is playing it so well coming from all these injuries and all, like, the bullcrap drama with his cases before and everything to get everything back on track is a great feat. And speaking of his feet, <clears throat> there's, like, a term I like to use. Well, every every player, every coach with corners has, like, their own term with someone's backpedal and, like, opening up. I like to say just straight up, just, like, either steal my coaches, it's nice and crisp, or I've been saying lately, oh, he has clean feet. Meaning, like, of course, Chris said, he doesn't stumble. He doesn't have, a, like, a false step, a backpedal. When people get in, when corners, certain corners can get into their stance, they take an unnecessary step the way, same way Colton Miller does, Chris, a false step. There's a false step in almost like every position. So, yeah. I mean, they, he's able to like to not waste time, not waste speed. He's gaining momentum. So that's a great thing because as a corner, you got to, you really have to prepare for almost every route, especially if you're in the slot. So, I mean, the fact that he he's able to do that and just, he just has a nose for the ball. He's not dumb. He's smart and has good awareness. So the only thing that really like that is his number one knock is his tackling, which personally I think is an overrated cornerback trait, yeah. which clearly the coaching staff has a different viewpoint because Trayvon Mullen is a great, is a pretty good corner that can come up and wrap up. So they want more physicality. So Conley's not going to be able to, he's not going to be able to, you know, combat that it's not something you, at this point he's really going to work on maybe he can you know a little strengthening a little little better form but you, you know at this point in the game you don't really work on tackling it's all about more about your discipline with your technique and understanding of coverages in the film room yeah i mean we've talked about it before um i'm the i'm in the same belief if you're relying on your corners for run support and tackling you need to draft your front seven <laughs> yeah right like that's right yeah i mean you're absolutely right and I think one of the things, one of the biggest problems, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, um, last year with Conley was he kind of struggled in zone coverage. So I was curious, I guess, for Chris, since you've studied him a lot recently, like, did you notice a, a uptick in his play in the second half of the year in zone as he kind of got more familiar and more uh, comfortable with Paul Gunther's defense? Definitely he got more comfortable in the defense. You saw a different type of confidence, no matter what package they were in. Uh, but I would definitely say Con what Conley's really good at is playing bump and run man-to-man. -man. Yeah. And that's not always what Gunther has him do. Um, but when he does do that, he excels. He has a really good ability to stay sticky, and he knows how to body up a receiver and get his head turned. Another thing I brought up in the article and, and also in my film room with Conley is that how many, for how many years, dude, have we had the Raiders' corners not turn their head? And yeah. catches just Easy. happen right beyond their face mask. It's like so infuriating. Get your head around, find the football, and knock it down. And uh, the bottom line was they just weren't good enough technique-wise, and they didn't have the confidence to put themselves in that position. But Conley does. As far as in zone, um, I thought he was comfortable too. Uh, you know, I think he's a smart player. His his IQ is high. Uh, do I think it's his like natural like uh, you know what he would mm. prefer? I I would guess by watching him no, because I think he excels at playing man to man. But there there was no like slacking when they were in zone. Uh, I think he was quick to recognize, and he knows where the football is going, like Jose was talking about. He's a smart player. He obviously studies film. That whole narrative from 2017 that he didn't study film and didn't work hard and all that, even though he was hurt, I don't buy into any the of next that. The DJ hated. Yeah, give me a <laughs> no, break. Give me no. a break. I mean, it was obvious when you watch Conley on the field. He might make a mistake, but it wasn't because anything like that. So, yeah. I mean, it's funny because – 
Matt, like last week when we brought up all oh, Derek Carr, second half of the season, he played better. Got used to the system. Gary and Conley, second half of the system. Well, number one, number one, they finally started giving him reps. Yeah. Um, number two, yeah, got used to it, and which is what I'm gonna branch out. Or I'm gonna bridge to our next topic in a minute here. Paul Gunther's defense, like like he like Jonathan Abrams quoted to say, there's no necessary, there's no, it's not really a position that you are. You're just a player and a part of a chess game which is great and it really is like a reflection of how like complex Gunther's system is and how he wants it to be. It's pretty much, hey, what can you do and can you do it well? What can't you do? And I'll put you in certain spots, which is great. I love hearing that. So with Conley, even though he's not at first as, as well adept in zone, that's more. That's not because he can't play it. There really is no technique there. That's just more about, all right, do you know your coverages? Do you mm. know what they're going to throw at you? That's pretty much what zone is. Zone is know just pretty much just is. like, yeah, know where your help is, understanding of what the offense wants to do, understanding of what you're supposed to do, doing your job, all right? Mm. Because as a man, it's pretty easy. I don't <laughs> got to worry about my teammates unless it's some, it's some sort of buster coverage, which I don't know how often they really ran last season. But, yeah, just understanding that case, like, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to do this type of hook, the third, the flat, the come back into the middle, you know, shade out? What am I supposed to do? And then, once again, like I said, understanding it, which comes through film session of your own defense and the oppositions. So that case, if you play zone defense really well, that really shows how well your intellect is, which eventually showed up like, hey, Conley's not an idiot. It's just like his, his skill set and his traits so – it's just so tempting to use man that it kind of seems like it's a little bit of – a waste and not using him optimally which is kind of glad that they actually ended up using him more of that especially in press coverage because i know gunther doesn't really like to use press coverage i believe that's why rashawn melvin mm. didn't exceed and that guy is mainly a press coverage guy when they didn't really want him to do that as often so speaking of jonathan abrams i mean we know about the secondary outside of conley i'm not sure who else is there to look forward to except for this tandem that got brought up last week in mandatory minicamp jonathan abrams and uh, carl joseph was out there together which is very interesting. It's like, wow, like you're out there together. You know, I'm, you know, me and Matt talked about it, how Abrams is going to be his new replacement. I said, Carl Joseph is good as gone. He thinks that it, they should keep him and maintain. Why wouldn't you want to make it work? So how, how do you think about all that, Matt, how those two can work? And if there's even like a faint of chance that he comes back. Dude, I'm so confused at this point. Like <laughs> I thought it was, I mean, maybe I'm thinking about it too um, traditionally where, you know, I saw um, Sam Monson from PFF tweeted out um, something like 75% of snaps last year in the NFL were in nickel personnel versus mm -hmm. base. So I guess then, now that I'm thinking about it, the pick makes a lot more sense and it makes more sense to keep Carl or at least see what Carl can do for a little bit longer and keep them both on the field. And you're going to put LaMarcus Joyner at nickel corner and... Uh, I mean, he's going to be covering the slot a lot for you then and taking care of guys like Keenan Allen and hopefully being able to stay in front of guys like uh, Tyreek Hill if he's available and whatnot. So now that I'm taking all that in, I think I'm I'm softening up on the pick of Jonathan Abram, but it's still just I'm still scratching my head of what's going on with Carl, and it's still a question mark to me of what exactly is the plan for him. Is the plan to bring him back? Is the plan to get rid of him? Is the plan just to give him a one-year prove-it deal? Which, you know, I, I don't know. I'm curious to what you guys think the plan is. Pretty sure they're just taking it by ear for now. Taking but, Chris, what did, you, what did you think when it came to that when 
oh, Abrams and those two working out. Because I'm feeling like now I'm thinking about it, it's like, wow, that defense is going to have more safeties than corners out there and linebackers combined yeah. with that strong type of nickel, that big nickel where you have the safety play as a linebacker. They could have either Carl or Jonathan play it and then maybe even put uh, Eric Harris up top. So just seeing that's interesting. I mean, with Matt said, Carl Joseph, is he coming back? I, I feel like they're going to take it by ear, guys. Chris? Honestly, when it came out that Abram and Joseph were starting in practice, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I was happy because I feel yeah, like, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I'm a fan of Carl Joseph. Now, definitely when you look at where he was drafted, the, the value hasn't been there. Uh, but I heard he, he worked extremely hard this offseason. And this is his chance, not just with the Raiders, but for a contract somewhere else next year to get any mm -hmm. type of notable exactly, money. Yeah. And then when you look at the fact that they got those two back there, and then you got Joyner in the slot. It kind of reminded me of the Patriots in a way because mm. Belichick likes safeties all over the field, right? He likes them in, inside in the slot. He obviously has two back. He likes those hybrid safeties too to come in and play backer and nickel uh, packages. So uh, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit. And you guys just got versatile players that can kind of move around. Um, you know, and then too, like you talked about the scheme. I mean, they play that too high. There's no really like a free or a, or a box safety. It just kind of depends on who's on the field offensively, what coverage they want to roll to and all that. But I was happy, man. I feel like they got their most talented players out on the field and nothing against like Eric Harris. I thought Eric Harris deserved his extension. He got, and I really like him. I think he's a leader on this team, but I think the two best safeties they have, if you put Joyner in the nickel is Abram and Joseph. For sure. Play them. Give them the chance to start and to earn those spots and give them the first team reps. And hey, if they're outplayed by someone on the second team, and especially Carl Joseph, and he gets bumped down, then so be it. But you can't say they didn't give him this opportunity, you know, yeah. in his fourth season. Yeah, I mean, you bring it up. One of the biggest things about the Patriots defense and what that makes them so successful is the versatility of players like that they have <laughs> on their roster. And exactly, you know, both. Joseph and Abram have taken snaps and had experience at all three levels of the defense. Really, I can and I remember defending the pick for Abram. Looking at the positive side of things, is in the Outback Bowl against Iowa, he was playing like inside linebacker, so out of out of character for him, obviously out of position. And to be able to play that verse, be able to be that versatile and have two guys on there. I know Jose's brought it up before where. You can put both of them back there and you never know who's going to be playing that center field and covering deep in zone and who's going to be coming over and taking them, taking the underneath and helping to run support. And that could be a pretty good advantage. And especially if Paul Gunther can take advantage of the, what their versatility brings in the scheme. That's what's great about having versatile players. And you have so many out there. You have no idea who the hell is going to do what. I feel like it's a bunch of crud that they're going to use Joiner strictly as a nickel. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the no. majority. But you, come yeah. on, like they're gonna swing him more. They're gonna, they're probably gonna just have him line up for a quick second. Then they're gonna switch him back up top and do some stupid distorted coverage that's gonna confuse certain corner uh, quarterbacks. And it's gonna be, I feel like that's that that would that would be very underutilizing Joiner as a player because you don't want you want him to use as much movement as you can back there. It's all about a chess match, you know. And pretty much games, plays are won damn near by the pre-snaps on both sides. So defenses are trying to do that more with hybrid safeties. Like, hey, you can you come up there and defend the run and actually run out to the flat? That's good because now we can tweak around. We're going to mess with it. And that's probably, that's, like you said, Matt, uh, Chris, with the Patriots, that's kind of why, like, the Rams offense and Goff had trouble reading it because he didn't know who the hell was doing what most of the time. 
you know so it's very great even the eagles did that against brady when like they put jenkins on gronk and they just shut him down and had all those fluctuating pieces so it's it's great to have on your defense you just can move him anywhere and like abram said like oh there's there's no such thing as a as a stronger free safety it's just what can you do can you do this all right cool i'm gonna put you over here then so it's gonna be great and like i said i don't think we're gonna we're probably gonna see nickels and dimes where it's gonna be like four safeties on the field so joiner carl yeah. joseph abram probably eric harris one of those two box safeties will, will be in there with like a tahir whitehead or a moro whoever's quick enough and does the best coverage and then the two up top if they if that is what the coverage will dictate and then it's just going to be Conley and whoever wins the corner position out there. It's going to be like, damn it, who the hell is doing what? You know, and then, and that's what's great too because then you have flexibility. What does the offense have? Are they going heavy, which not many people do? You know, what what's the formation? Are they doing some weird like little pistol look? A little, like are they motioning? So, so many opportunities, so much potential that I feel like now we're finally going to see Paul Gunther's defense unlocked. And last year that defense really pissed me off, but luckily <laughs> I reminded myself. All right. He got neutered with Khalil Mack, and I put up a yeah. nice quarter of that force. Um, by default, there wasn't anyone out there that really could – he could really tap into the true nature of his defense. So I'm excited to see what he can do this season. Not just that, though. It wasn't just the fact that, you know, the, the you know he lost Khalil Mack in the beginning of the year. Yeah, there was a new defense for everyone to learn. Yeah, but also we were slow back there. You yeah. know, but, yeah. make no mistake about it. I'm not saying we answered – you know, yeah, exactly. I'm not saying we went out and we we got the key now to slow down the Chiefs, but at least we might have a chance on some yep. possessions now because we're faster. We're gonna have more athletes on the field. Yeah, and that's gonna go a long way. Last year, even if we were in prime position, we were too slow and non-athletic to make the play on it. I mean, that's was the case so many times. So, you know, coaching only goes so far. You gotta have athletes on the field to make the plays. Last year we didn't have them. Uh, you know, this year, I think we have a chance to. And that was the Gruden effect because he typically will favor veterans. I mean, look in the offensive side of the ball. How many young players are on that side and how many are actually there to get developed? Colton Miller, Josh Jacobs. Uh, I'm not really sure who else is actually within two years at that point. That's pretty much like how he wants it. And that's why I told that's when we talked about incognito that he rather had brought someone out of retirement, someone who doesn't need that much of a learning curve. He would, he would rather not develop someone. That's why if you look on the other side, the defense, young talent all over, which yeah. probably what he eventually thought of, and maybe Mike Mayock was another help in the shot of the arm, although I'm pretty sure as all you had to do was look back in the season and realize, yeah, I kind of messed up with that one, yeah, putting right. just a bunch of old plate pieces. Like They understand it, but just because they understand it doesn't mean they're going to get the job done. So yeah. that's why it finally felt yeah. good. Like, okay, yeah. we're at least picking it up. You put Conley back there because I really thought it was so stupid that they had DRC taking more snaps than freaking Gary and Conley. Like, what are you doing? Why is Carl Joseph not out there as often? Like, I mean, even if, like, you were you planned on trading them, which eventually those two were rumored to be on the block, why would you not put them out there and give them some value? You know, pull some value for yourself. So last year at that point, I feel like now, like, maybe Gruden learned a little bit. All right, I'm not going to mess with the defense too much per se. So it's just – yeah, man, it just was slow. So that pretty much was – that defensive failure, I feel like it was almost 100% tied on Gruden with trading Mac and just put plugging in all these old-ass players in there. Like, you got Reggie Nelson back there. Like, I'm great. <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the Oakland Raider, <laughs> yeah. great Reggie Nelson. God. We thought the new uh, the new staff coming in were like, oh, there's no way they're going to resign no Reggie Nelson. No and then I still remember getting that notification from Schefter. I'm like, no way. Exactly as you said, Matt. But, yeah, dude, no as way. far as, like, Gruden bringing in veterans, I think – 
back in the day when he coached the first time around, it was a more physical game. Not that it's not yeah. physical now, but it was a lot more physical than it is now. Yeah. Now it's a more free game. And when it's free and more comfortable out there, athletes are going to win. Speed matters more. Mm-hmm. And so I think he learned last year he's not going to be able to compete just signing 31-year-old guys who – you know, have a little fire left in him. No, he needs to he needs to draft smart, sign younger players in free agency. And hey, you know, Mayock and Gruden did that. So should yeah. uh, be looking up. Exactly. I mean you're going from what, thirty two year old Leon Hall as your uh, slot <laughs> corner to twenty yeah. six year old uh Lamarcus Joyner. I'll take that. They signed that guy and I was like, wait, Leon Hall's still in the league? But yeah, tying it back into the safeties guys, I just can't wait to I really hope that is the play, as Chris said, those two together. Um, Eric Harris is going to fill in there as well. And then you can't forget about the depth in the back end too of like other players that they have there. So how it works out, it's going to be interesting. And if Carl Joseph does well this year, like, oh, wow, Carl played good this year and he's doing well in our system, then the Raiders have first dibs. I feel like we're going to learn if they want to extend him by when the season's ending. If there's nothing about contract given or heard about by December or before December, then he's pretty much gone. They're not going to talk to him after. I feel like at that point, they're just going to let him walk. You know, maybe like, like, yeah, let's not tie in so much money into this guy. Let's just try to fill it and see. So it'll it'll, it'll be interesting to see in something that Carl's going to have to work for. While we're uh, talking about the secondary, I just had one last question that popped into my mind for you guys. Um, One of the guys that I've really liked from last year's draft, and he didn't get a whole lot of playing time last year, and when he did, wasn't a whole, wasn't great, wasn't bad, he wasn't terrible either, I should say. And that's uh, Nick Nelson. I'm curious, what are your guys' thoughts with bringing in the all the help they have in the secondary if he even ends up making this roster? Honestly, Nick Nelson, I think a big opportunity for him this year is trying to prove that he can provide, like kind of be the number two guy inside behind LaMarcus Joyner in the nickel playing the slot. Gotcha. I think that's his best bet. Uh, I don't think when he was on the field last year, he did all that well, but mm-hmm. he did struggle a little bit with an injury in the offseason, right, coming in. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you, you could say he was a little raw. You know, you look back to his college tape. He was kind of sticky in coverage, but he did use his hands a lot. He was flat, you know, flags all over the field. Uh, so coming in, it was kind of an unknown. Uh, when he did get on the field last year, it wasn't great, but he was just a rookie. He was a fourth-round pick. You know, he wasn't a first-round pick, a super polished guy. But I, I think the competition on the outside, when you look at, obviously, they got Gary on Conley, Trayvon Mullen, Daryl Worley. They went out and got Nevin Lawson. Well, the opening, to me, is providing that depth behind Joyner. Can Nick Nelson prove that he can kind of handle that? And also, another thing, too, is special teams. And also, a return man, if something were to happen to Dwayne Harris. <laughs> yeah. Nick Nelson was a pretty good return man in college. So, uh, you know, if he could com- kind of prove that he has some value there, too. But no doubt about it. And also, we had drafted uh, Isaiah Johnson, right? Yep. So I wouldn't say that Nick Nelson's job is safe. Right? Maybe that's a hot not, take. Maybe sure. it's not. But yeah. I think he has to have a good camp. And again, yeah. that slot position, that nickel inside, to me, is the key to him making this roster. Yeah, if he had it locked down, they wouldn't have drafted two corners, pretty much. Right, you know? right. And why would he have had it locked down? It's not like he did anything or no, proved sure. anything. You know, it's not like he was able to really get out there, which a lot of it, a part of it was the injury that kind of derailed it. Because wasn't he like inactive for a part of it, for a part of the season because of injury? But then I remember also he was healthy scratches some games, which, yeah. a lot of games actually, which confused me. Like, why are you healthy scratching your fourth round pick? Don't you want to get him out there in some certain place? So that was a little bit revealing to me. Like, I didn't understand that. So. 
You know, that's why I personally don't like doing like in-depth position reviews. It's like, all right, what, what are we going to say? I mean, obviously he needs to get developed. He needs to mm-hmm. work better. How much time are they really going to develop him? Do I trust the Raiders corners uh, secondary coach? I don't even know his freaking name. I don't know who that is ever since the, what, what's his name? The Alabama secondary Jim, uh, coach. Jim O'Neill. Jim O'Neill took Jim over. Jim O'Neill's in this one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. After, after, the, after the last guy from Alabama left, who I was really excited to see, but too bad he's gone, but on to bigger, bigger and better things, I guess. But, yeah, it's like it's really hard to see, you know, brought this competition. Isaiah Johnson, who's who's really raw as well. I believe I read he's like more so going to be a gunner with a chance to compete. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, solid player, should uh, still need some work, but will, will hopefully be a good player. Um, Nick Nelson, he hopefully he feels some flame on a little flame on his butt. That way he wants to pick it up. So, but I remember watching him in preseason, which is not much to say, at least from a talent standpoint. He did all right. You know, yeah. and out there in preseason, you're not really scheming. You're just out there just playing it. So at least from you be you get a gauge of how the talent is. And I was like, yeah, his talent's not bad. I kind of liked what he saw. I kind of like what I saw. And like Chris said, like he does use his hand. I did see that a little bit. I was like, this guy's using his hands good, but I feel like he, he's trying to grab too much. You know, if, that, if that's yeah, if that's what your nature is as a corner to want to use your hands a lot, then that's going to be kind of hard to try to like coach that out of. You know, the yeah. same way with the it means you don't trust your feet, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's kind of hard. It's, it's just like with a quarterback. If he's making bad decisions, that's not something really you can try to coach. I mean, you can, you can believe you can do it and attempt it. It's not going to be a – It's once again, it's not a technique thing. It's not. A, it's, it's just really player discipline. And if you can't do that as a corner, then you're shit out of luck. You're not going to last in this league. So with him, it's once again wait and see. Whoever rises among the crop, that's it. And if he does well, good for us. We'll see more and learn more from him. we got to move on a little bit. I gotta be honest, fellas. Fellas, I'm uh, feeling the pain as a Warriors <laughs> fan. I, I I don't know what's next, man. I, it's it's bad. It's bad. They lose on what was that Thursday night, mm-hmm. and I mean the loss is loss. Obviously, you lose in the finals. No KD for a year. Probably no Clay till March, and at that point. Who knows if it even makes sense to bring him back. Did we just witness the end of the dynasty? Yes. Hell yes. Hell yes. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. The dynasty is over, at least for next year, you know, because there's no way in hell you're going to hope to compete with the Warriors. You're going to hope to compete for the championship. There'll be a playoff team, sure, but there's no way in hell you're going to hope to compete with just Clay and, I mean, uh, with just Dre and Steph. You know, we've already, Clay, Clay doesn't, get injured in that third quarter end of the third quarter the warriors are winning that game and forcing it game seven now whether excuse me now whether they win game seven or not who knows but they would have won that game six um i just i just felt like shit man and hearing first of all kd like a champion like a great player forcing himself to come back from an injury that we all pretty much suspected was an achilles and actually ends up fully tearing it like god damn yeah. it, man! I just I I I hate seeing situations like that. I hate seeing players, especially great players, in that situation because we all want to see them lay it all out there, just not with injuries. And then Clay, like, come on, man! What is, this guy is such a chill yeah. guy. It's hard not to like him. He's so hilarious. He's just such a great guy. I feel like I, that that could be like one of my best friends if I ever met him off the street. Like, if I ever wanted to be a player's persona, I'd be Clay. You know, chill. <laughs> you know, out of the spotlight, making money. He's a good player. I mean. Ah, dude, that was hard. But yeah, the dynasty, I think, kind of comes to a crumbling end. Although, 
you know, you could say, you know, it's not necessarily ended. It's just a little bit. It's like a it's on hold. Huge. It's maybe on hold because you know, I feel like as a dynasty, if you make the playoffs, if you continually make it, you're still alive. All right. So they've had five years of great dominance essentially. So these next three years are gonna be interesting. I mean, they're on record that they want to give those guys an extension. Um, I just felt terrible for them. But, I mean, now the opportunity is there for my Lakers to try to take it. Right, Chris? Oh, God. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But as far as the Warriors are concerned, I mean, when you look at a dynasty, yeah, I mean, next year is going to be rough. I think you guys are going to obviously re-sign Clay. He wants to be there mm-hmm. yeah. after everything. There's no way you guys let him walk. Maybe KD leaves. You know, there's word that the Knicks are going to max him out anyway, or the, the Nets want to max him out anyway, even with the injury. But nonetheless, you know, even if next year doesn't go that great, then you still going into the year after that. You got Steph, you got Clay, you got Draymond. Maybe you grab someone else. If you go and compete for a title, then it really doesn't mean the dynasty ended, right? It just means you kind of had a down year in the dynasty. Yeah. You look at the Lakers in the '80s. I mean, they won five titles in 11 years, but not every year was a great year, right? They were kind of, you know, in the playoffs competing at least every year, but not every yeah. year was great. There was a little holds, little down years within that. So uh, I wouldn't say the dynasty's over, but there's no doubt though that you know the the Warriors you know set the set the bar, and yeah you know it's kind of come down again again with some injuries and what is naturally going to happen? Other teams are going to surge up, and you look at these other teams now they're trying to build super teams that can't be beat. And yeah, that, I mean it all kind of started with the Miami Heat. The Warriors did it a little differently. They kind of home grew their dynasty in a way, and then they went and got. Kevin Durant, right? <laughs> but uh, I think that when they do kind of resume their dynasty, maybe not next year, but the year after, it's going to be tough to get it done. But if they do, and they go win it or make the finals in a couple years, I would say that it wasn't really over now. Yeah. I mean, you're already seeing the Lakers trying to pounce and take advantage and make AD. that big trade for yeah. AD. Yeah, it's dude, like Jimmy I'm Buckets so excited. Yeah. I personally hated that trade as a Laker fan, dude. Like, you know what? The only way you you make it worth you make it worth it is if you need to win two titles in the next three years. You need to win this next one, especially because the Warriors are going to mm-hmm. be like fifty percent damn near, and ideally the next year as well. You know, because then after that, then what? LeBron's 37, 38 at the time. You know, it's like you wagered your future, so you can't. Now you have it's win now. There's no excuses. You have to win the playoffs. I don't care what happens. It, it could have been like, oh, they won. Jose. They lost in seven games, but whatever. You know, it's. Like, I I was like, that was stupid. Personally, I didn't care. I didn't. I didn't mind giving up so many first round picks, but the giving up of so many players that could still contribute now, like a Brandon Ingram, or even like Alonzo Ball. I mean, I know they're not great players right now, but I personally think Ingram's gonna be a great player. But damn, dude, I just like, god damn it, LeBron. Like, this is the type of shit I don't like to see. Well, how this many... gives me flashbacks to Hugh Jackson when he traded for Palmer and stuff like that. What was that, Matt? How many, uh, how many championships does this group have to win then for you to, for you to like the trade essentially? Like, yeah, like how... it needs to be two out of three years, ideally this, three? this this upcoming and next year, up this upcoming okay. and next year. Because if when LeBron eventually hangs him up, it's just him. It's just AD. Where are you going to get – you don't have first-round picks to use. You're going to sure. have to start signing freaking veterans like what the Raiders did last year, and that's not conducive to winning basketball. That's not going to be great. This is a star league, sure. But personally, I'm still curious as hell to see who the hell is going to want to come to the Lakers this summer. You know, I freaking – I got in a, I was just in Vegas, and I had to talk to some Laker fanboy. He tried telling me, like, 
just because the Lakers didn't make the playoffs doesn't mean they're not a great team. And I was like, wait, what? What? They're not a great team. They're not a good team. No, they're not. Yeah. If you're, no, this guy tried telling me if you were a good team, you, the playoffs don't doesn't mean you're not a you're not a good team. I'm like, yes, it does, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> but po- point of the matter is like, there's, ah, it's like you have to win now. All right. So I mean, this is not Laker basketball to me. Laker basketball is continued dominance, not like let's just salvage everything just to get a couple of cheap chips now. I mean, like I said, you need to win it. And it's all right, cool. Then we'll deal with the problems later after you win it, and like it paid off. But whoa, man, bro, dude. bro, come on now. Look, I'm, I'm Jose. I feel you, but I feel like you're being a little dramatic here. Okay, <laughs> no, look at, dude, no, that's not Jose. Hear, hear me out. Hear me out. I think one championship does it for me, but I would love for them to get two, and I think they can. Now, look, they signed LeBron James, right? And if you're gonna sign LeBron specifically at the age that he was. You're going to have to go ahead and make moves to win now. You have to do it. Because if they sit here and they don't trade for Anthony Davis, they don't sign any big-time free agents, they're going to essentially waste signing LeBron James. It'll be for basically nothing other than some sweet highlight reels and a Lakers uniform. So, you know, and and then you go and trade for Anthony Davis. Number one, that makes you a more attractive site to go and get another superstar. And number two, you talk about their future – Anthony Davis is like 25 years old. He is their future. I mean, they, they, they now have not a, a guy team. beyond LeBron. That was the concern, is that, yeah, LeBron's aging. What star can we have that can take the reins after LeBron? And Anthony Davis can be that. He's one of the top seven, eight players in the NBA. And so for me, I'm excited. I feel like they can win now, especially if they go get one more guy. But even if they don't, they're going to be really good. And, it, and then when LeBron retires, Anthony Davis, three years from now, he's going to be, what, 28? Still in the prime of his career. An incredible player. Arguably the best pure center in the league. You could call him a power forward, but it's more of a center. And, and he's just at a high impact on both ends. So I think it was a win-win for the Lakers and New Orleans. Because New Orleans needed to get a young core. And they basically got an insta-young core immediately right in front of them. So it's one of those trades where I don't think there's a winner and a loser. I think they both won. I think they both got what they wanted. Like I said, the only way they'll make me happy, two championships. You got to do it. Yeah. They still got to form the roster, too. I mean, they That's basically true. got LeBron and AD, and then I don't even know who else on the team other than Kuzma, right? So they do have Kuz, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, the coaching situation, I will give you that. That whole, that was weird. That was ugly. And then with the mm-hmm. thing that happened with Magic, not good PR, uh, you know, but getting AD – kind of in a way just put some windex over that and cleaned it a little bit but it was looking pretty bad there for the lakers so i feel like this trade may have in my opinion kind of saved the the team so hopefully it goes well really was kind of the only way to go to like a, like like you said just lebron there's only one path to go he's not a yeah. really developed guy i saw a stat that showed how many trades each team has done with a lebron james I saw the heat did like 11 the Cavs at 27 with LeBron all time, and the Lakers already so far four. So it's like, yeah, he's not really a, a wait and develop type of guy. He was an instant thing. He's an instant person now, which reminds me of John Gruden essentially. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I want, I want, I want the, I don't want the learning curve. I want his least. LeBron and Chucky now. the same person. Uh, I think LeBron's worse, dude. Way worse. <laughs> Shoot. I look at it this way from the Lakers' perspective too. You bring up the the Lakers' pedigree and their history. They're also not one to really wait around they brought in kareem especially when it comes to big men they brought in kareem brought Shaq. they don't really wait for titles they go after them and get them yeah yeah i agree man i think it's 
I think uh, what Ramona Shelbourne said like earlier today, it's in the Lakers' DNA to go get stars. I mean, they went and got Shaq, right? Uh, you know, obviously they drafted. Uh, well, they didn't draft Kobe. They traded him on draft day. Traded for him, but uh, they went out and traded for Shaq. Shaq was, you know, had already brought Orlando to the finals. So I, I completely understand. Like, they traded for exactly great yeah. point. I was, I was just going to say that they traded for Powell. They were a team that were seven seed back to back years, right? And and Kobe was demanding a trade. He wanted to get out of town. He stuck in there, and then they traded for Powell, and they went to the finals that year, lost, and then they won back to back after that. So. You're right, man. Matt, you said it. The, the Lakers are not a build it from the ground up, kind of like the Warriors did. Even though they did sign KD, a lot of their talent, like I said earlier, was homegrown. The Lakers, they don't really do that. Like, yeah. They don't. They go and they buy it with their purple and gold prowess, you know, the, the <laughs> history of the franchise. And that's that's how they win it. The and Western if you call those conference. cheap championships, I'll, I'll take them, man. A lot, of, a lot of teams would love a cheap couple championships. The West this year is going to be so interesting because the Warriors are still going to be a force. They're not going to be dominant, but they're going to be there. You know, we know about the Rockets. I don't know how that drama is going to be. I feel like now that they know that the Warriors are in a crippled state, that now they're going to be like, all right, now let's get it together. Win this year. This is our year right now. So them, you know, the Lakers, um, the Pelicans are probably going to be pretty good this year. Just so many things. And I feel like the West is so – this is like yeah. everything feels so – so crazy. Although I'm not gonna lie, like I like watching the Warriors play, even though I'm a Lakers fan. But that's probably because just around here, I don't, I don't really see the Warriors as like a, anything spiteful or hateful out of any teams. And if anything, I feel like I root for them just for the area and for my friends and family that like them. <laughs> it's kind of funny how we, we talk. We're, we're trying to bring up Warriors and finals and this turn into a Lakers topic. A Lakers, I know, that's right? Good. Yeah, that's because it's naturally gonna do that, man. We got <laughs> two Lakers fans here. You know the yeah, biggest loser in all this though is Houston. Right, because if yeah, you look at yeah. it, the Lakers don't trade for AD. You think, oh, Houston almost got Golden State twice. They went to Game Seven a couple times and they couldn't get it done. And then, you know, with all the injuries, like, oh man, like Houston might have their opportunity, kind of like Toronto, right? I mean, yeah. obviously they went out and got Kawhi, but LeBron left the East. It kind of opened the floodgates in yeah. a way. So you would have thought like Houston would be the natural team that should get their chance to make the finals now. Of course, now the Lakers make a trade, and there's going to be a bunch of other stars coming west. And now Houston's in the purgatory, still paying Chris Paul $40 million a year and not getting it done. So at least we're not Houston, right? This basketball talk, I'm pretty sure, has made uh, Matt's ears fall off. So, um, <laughs> Matt, do you want – Matt, because I don't want to bring it up. Do you want to Do you want to lead – uh, <laughs> Do you want to you want to? I will transition to us to my personal favorite part of the show. Normally we reserve this for the uh, the quack of the week or the uh, the best thing I saw this week. Uh, well, I guess we kind of have a quack. I heard there was a a bit of a Madden game that didn't go in no Jose's in favor. Uh, Chris, would you uh, care to elaborate on our? Quack oh of the week? wait, Jose, you don't want to you want to take the lead on this one? Talk about it a little bit. And this ends our podcast, guys. <laughs> oh uh, come on, Chris. Thanks for being the guest. It's great oh, time, man. man. We'll bring you on again soon. Uh, so jose and i were uh we've been talking for a while about playing madden you know and uh kind of the scheduling didn't really work out but we finally were able to play a game what like a week ago something like that i'm like that and uh you know honestly i haven't played very much i probably played a handful of games since like september because honestly every year when the raiders if it starts going downhill the last thing i want to do is play madden i'm just like <laughs> it's only fun when it's going well but uh then uh, jose was like let's play so i played like few games against the computer and went up against him and i was pretty sure i was going to get shellacked 
But, you know, I have to give it up to my digital men who prepared their little hearts <laughs> out all week and uh, dominated. And I was up 21 zip with about three minutes left. He got a little gimme uh, garbage time touchdown. So the final score was 21 7. And uh, it just felt good to come out on the top, you know. And uh, I appreciate all my family members who supported me through this whole time. So I think you call that a skunk. 21 <laughs> nothing. Like, I can't believe you let the game keep going at that point. Like, why are you wasting your time? Come on, Chris. You got you got kids to feed. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Hey, you know what? I got to teach him, though, man. No matter what, you got to finish what you start. So I had to finish Jose off, man. I had to give him a little confidence touchdown, too. I couldn't shut him out like that and come on his podcast. I like Jose. how you finished. I like how you left living out like the big details about how you played as the 89 overall New Orleans Saints, and I had to play with the Cowboys who were barely an 84. But Dak Prescott, who couldn't hit water if he was on a freaking boat, I mean, shit. Like there was like certain throws I would roll out of pocket. This fool was like throwing at ducks. I was like, what the hell? And then I think Chris had like five sacks on me, and I'm like, dude, I thought the Cowboys' offensive line was regarded as one of the best, and it's like, what? The- so bullshit certain times i mean I, I i was more it was more my error than actually what he actually did because i made him punt like two or three times and i threw like two picks or something like that one of them was just because one of them was a desperate one in the end just because i had to make something happen um one of them was really stupid was really stupid i can't believe i, I got the buttons mixed up and i'll wear that but the one thing i definitely will hang my hat on is it was one game it was against a team i don't play with and it was a plus five swing so technically I was plus 500 to win the game before I even started. So if you want to play with teams I'm really good with, like the Vikings, the Chargers, even the Seahawks, then we could do that. Madden's not a game that – it's not like football where, oh, one game, that was it. Now, this is is basketball rules. You need a seven-game series at least to see overtime longevity. It's fine. I'll, I'll wear it on my sleeve. You beat me once, but it's fine. It's all good. You know, There's plenty of other games. I didn't take Jose to be an excuse maker, but clearly I was wrong. It's not and an excuse. Number, <laughs> number two, if you guys ever play Jose and Madden, zone blitz is key because he gets confused about what defenders wear and he just lofts it right into your linebacker's <laughs> chest because he's getting pressured with the blitzing from the zone. He's come from the sides. He's like, what's going on? He just fires it in there. And then I got the robber just dropping back. Easy money. Easy money. Not easy even. Money. I could, the only thing was I just no one was blocking. <laughs> and I had to force my hand. I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't I will say – I'll say I threw for like 40 yards. I pretty much just like just ran the ball down his throat, and then the turnovers gave me good field position. So really, it wasn't like I really dominated him offensively. I think I was like four for ten for like 40 yards with Breeze. So, oh, <laughs> so it was it was an odd game for sure. I'll give you that, Jose. I'm just giving you a hard time, but it was fun to play with you, man. Sorry, right, man. It's another. Doesn't we we get another rematch? More more yeah. games on the line to yeah. to really like. See a good sample size. I'm a stats guy, so uh, hey, yeah, it's it's gonna trying be to stay little... with the mean there, you know. Plus Maybe. you were all, you were plus you were freaking. It's funny how you're gonna give me shit. You're like, oh dude, just I I, I suck, I suck. So if anything, you hustled me, and I was like, all right, well let's try to. I guess if you say you suck like you do, let's do these teams. I guess like it's it's a big it's a big differential. You know, I'm not really used to playing the Cowboys, so I was like, oh let's let's do it if you really think so. And I thought you were full of shit, and turns out I was right. You actually could play somewhat. You're better than like <laughs> half my friends that play. So now it's like, all right, now I'll come better, correct, and better mindset, and just actually play, and not like an idiot, 
Although, like, I did play like an idiot with that that one stupid pick and like the second or first drive, I was driving on you. I was in I was in freaking field goal range and I just threw it away like an idiot. I just yeah, away. I thought I thought I was gonna lose the game for sure at that point because you were driving down on me. I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna be able to stop this guy all day. But I will say though, I always play with the Raiders. But in our game, neither one of us were the Raiders. We're both Raider fans. And I think the Raiders are just so bad in Madden that Jesus when I was Christ. playing with New Orleans defense, it was like night and day. So. <laughs> dude, that's the thing I about can get Madden. pressure? Like, what is this? Huh? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> dude. They were actually getting to the quarterback. He was nuts. <laughs> they were actually getting open. Freaking. <laughs> yeah. I, think I know how we settle this. With the summer coming up, I think we might have to set up a fly sweep Madden tournament. I'm down. Round yeah, one, do Jose it. and uh, Chris rematch. Let's do it. I'm gonna I'll play the Vikings or the Chargers. Probably the Vikings because I love playing with them. I love watching them. No. But that's the thing. That's the we thing with like three randoms. Oh, okay, we do that. Yeah, I like playing that too. Crazy and freaking. I was playing with Dak Prescott. God, Cowboys don't give him thirty million. <laughs> Such a terrible deal. Dude, talking about like thirty-two million. Yeah, gonna give him. That's crazy, man. It's just the way the market dictates. I mean, yeah, <laughs> their situation. How it goes. But yeah, re, re, rematch soon. Rematch soon. I just don't. I'm not a Dak Prescott guy. I don't really think he's that that good. I just don't. No, he's not, I mean, but... you know, he's not a bad quarterback. You know, he does scramble and make some plays, but I just, I'm just not into it. I mean, paying him that much money, uh, I think they got great value for him, drafting him out of Mississippi State, yep. right? Uh, you know, and he was not a first round pick by any means, and you know, he played pretty well, but. Gosh, dude, with that offensive line and that run game with Zeke that they have, uh, I think that just hides so much of his flaws using the yeah. play action. You're better off uh, just giving I Zeke would not money. pay him that money. I'd just draft another dude. Well, you know, I really would. So they're yeah. probably But hey, that's like... Dallas, man. Good for them. I'm happy that, you know, our quarterback's <laughs> cap is gonna be ten mil less than that. So I'm cool with that. Well, all right. We'll have to get the uh the logistics of the Madden tournament figured out another time. Maybe look into including some of you guys in that in the future. If anyone wants to play me, hit me up. I will give <laughs> you my PSN. We'll play. Let's go. Play. But big thank you to Chris for coming on. Chris, where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter at Chris Wysong, or you can just follow at RaidersBeat2. It's where a lot of my stuff, uh, my films, and my articles get posted. And, man, thanks a lot for having me on the show, guys. Hey, Appreciate no you. Respect your guys' opinions as Raider fans and football in general. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun coming on here, man. It was Probably. no brainer to bring on Chris, who obviously will be on again probably yes, in the next month or less. Whoever knows, whenever the scheduling works out. But we're in the dry season of football. It's kind of hard just to drop some things, you know. And I'm not really a big on like other than just reviewing like the team. And it's like let's just whatever news break we'll bring it on. But no, bringing on Chris was a no brainer. You know, he what he brings to the table just opinion wise and just analytically it's just it's 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 it really like i said it's just a no-brainer it's too obvious to bring him on it's just fun to talk to him it just sucks that once again it's just another person that's hard to find disagreement on just for like <laughs> content purposes but I'd rather have something legit than something like just made up so chris once again thank you man you know you're one of my boys on here and um can't wait for the rematch i uh, appreciate you man feelings mutual <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know you can find us on twitter at, at @sweetfly. Find myself at at mholder95. Jose, where can they find you? At jsanch underscore 21. For sure. All right, guys. Until next time. Hey, loves it.